Welcome into this episode of Show Your Scars with Jordan Angeli, a look inside the journey back from a devastating injury. We may not choose for this to happen to us, but we appreciate who we've become in the process. Now let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strengths and show our scars with pride. What's up, Show Your Scars? I hope you guys are having a good day. Spring is definitely in the air. I hope wherever you are, you are enjoying the beauty of the new season, the flowers blooming and all their glory. Spring is such a great time because not only is it the end of a couple of professional leagues, NHL and NBA are both in playoffs, and I love NHL playoffs. I think it's some of the most exciting games to watch. There's just so much on the line. I don't know if you guys saw yesterday a player from Columbus got hit in the face with a puck and went back in. His eyeball was almost full and shut. I mean, there's something about the energy and the intensity of NHL playoffs that are unlike anything else and the toughness of those people. Not only are seasons ending, but seasons are beginning. And NWSL, National Women's Soccer League, just kicked off this last season. Five games and some really good games. One on Lifetime, the rest on Go90. And I got to watch my friend who is a guest on the podcast today and professional soccer player for Boston Breakers play in her first game with the Breakers this weekend. Tiffany Weimer is the guest I have for you guys today and Tiff talks about so many different things, her career and how she has really stuck through so many ups and downs of leagues folding, not having leagues here, going to play abroad learning different cultures and styles of play within the sport just to further her love for the game. And she's currently 33, still playing at the a high level and contributing a lot. She played the last 15 minutes of the game last night and did a really good job trying to help her team score some late goals. Unfortunately for the Breakers, unsuccessful as they lost 2-0 to zero to FC, FC Kansas City. But Tiff went in and made an impact, and in a very young league, to do that is pretty incredible. So I talked to Tiff about just the respect I have for her, of her perseverance throughout the process of graduating from Penn State, where she was a stud and scored almost 100 goals in her career there, to now where she's playing in NWSL and and how she has learned to adapt her style of play throughout her career and that's been really key and essential in the longevity of her career. I talked to Tiff about some of the hardest parts of her ACL recovery process, how she initially got hurt and wanted to think that nothing bad happened to her and trick herself out of really believing that she had an injury. We talk about who she was before the injury and how much she learned throughout the process into the person that she is now and how she embraces the rockiness of life a little bit more. I have a really good conversation with Tiff. We also tap a little bit into journaling and how writing helped her through her process. Without any more of my chitter chatter. I will let you hear from Tiff herself. I start out right away just in the middle of our conversation and you can tell throughout it we're, we're good friends and Tiff has a good sense of humor so I hope you guys get a few laughs out of this as well. I think I want to start with Penn State and your career there. You had a pretty good career at Penn State I would say. One that I, I surely remember as you beat me and your freezing cold stadium one year in the quarterfinals, which I will never forget. But uh, talk a little bit about your career at Penn State and how that helped you propel yourself into the pro league. Uh, well, at Penn State, I had uh, I had some really great coaches and, and players around me. When I was a freshman, I actually was able to learn from Christy Welsh, who was in with the national team a lot, and Joanna Lohman, who was also in with the national team. And um, they went on to have great pro careers. But when I was a freshman, they were a senior and a junior. And, you know, just the way they handled themselves and the way they trained and how seriously they took it, um, really, not not just that, but how hard they worked, too. It just really showed me, like, what it meant to be um, 
a Penn State athlete and what it took to be successful at that level. Mm-hmm. Do you think that those um, those two in particular really uh, changed your perspective about how you played? Because I think going into college, obviously, that's a big jump from high school and a youth career to playing collegiately. Uh, physically, it's different. The games, the speed of the game is different. Um, did you look up to them to find answers in certain ways? Yeah, and, I, and especially Christy, because she was a forward mm-hmm. and um, she was what I wanted to be, you know, just a goal scorer, pure goal scorer. And I think what I learned the most from them during that time is how to have a blue collar mentality because going into college, I, you know, things kind of came easy. I don't think I had to work as hard to score goals, but I soon found out that in the big 10, especially nothing was going to come easy. And I had to find another gear, mm-hmm. um, especially being a smaller player. So yeah, they, you know, they showed me what blue collar meant. And that's just something within the Penn State uh, athletics that you find with every single team. So yeah. that's it was true. Like, I, I actually um, just interviewed this morning, Jordan Norwood. Do you know that name? He played football at Penn State. No, I haven't heard him. Um, I think you guys were at around the same time. He's uh, okay. he plays for Denver Broncos and uh, tours ACL a few a couple years ago. And mm-hmm. he kind of had that same um, that that same mentality, you know, the work ethic, like stay in the moment, uh, work hard, and and good things will happen. And mm-hmm. it does seem like it is a little bit. I interview a lot of Penn State people for some reason. What's with you guys? <laughs> We're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your favorite memories from Penn State, or a year that really sticks out to you as being just something that you'll never forget? If I bring it up, are you going to get mad at me? I guess. I, I'm, I'm pretty much over it by now. I can feel my toes again from that game, so you can talk okay. about it. <laughs> um, well, one of the best moments for sure was my senior year. It was definitely the coldest night I've ever played in soccer. And um, we beat you guys, Santa Clara, <laughs> one of the best teams in the country, to go to the Final Four. And I scored um, on a header, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> but it was just, it was just a, uh, you know, one of those games where somebody had to win, and it wasn't pretty, yeah. and it wasn't easy, and we kind of just stuck it out um, as a senior class. And I really remember the seniors wanting to go back to the final four because mm-hmm. we went my freshman year, and we remember that feeling and how great it was. And it took every single ounce of all we had to get back there. And it was just yeah. a very gratifying feeling at the end of that game. Yeah. And to just be going inside where it was warm. <laughs> I think we were all excited no. about that too. Um, <laughs> uh, no, that was, I do, I do remember that goal very vividly. And um, oh my gosh, why can't I think of her name right now? Why do I want to say Gray or Cherie? Yeah. Cherie Gray, I mean, the cross that she sent to you. And uh, it was, I remember I was playing forward at the time. So I'm at the very opposite side of the field, just staring at like, oh my gosh, that was a good goal. And, um, you know, I did think that. So I was pissed, but I also, I give you props, Tiff, because it was, it was, it was a beautiful goal and what a cool way to to go back to the final four, your final year. Um, must've been a, a cool experience for you and that that same year if I'm correct that's when you were the runner-up for um the Herman trophy yes to Christine Sinclair the hero of the world I know well you had congratulations to her she is she is something else she's so good she is (laughs) um what a cool thing to be runner-up to her and um you had 17 goals that season 91 in total in your career um, I had 32 that year 32 oh why does it why do I have 17 I my stat was way off um but this is a nice thing about talking to you Tiff is like you know those stats so like even <laughs> if I'm wrong like <laughs> it'll no, be I have a sheet I have a sheet here <laughs> is it still on your wall <laughs> oh my gosh um so yeah what a great year and after that so you graduate in 2005 and was that was right in between the two leagues if I'm correct yeah there was no pro league and we didn't know anything about playing overseas so 
Um, I played in the WPSL okay. for two years for Tony DeChico. Yep. And that was an amazing experience because it was as professional an environment as we could have ever imagined for not being a professional team, per mm-hmm. se. Yeah. Uh, he really prepped us for the next level without us really knowing it because a lot of those girls actually went on to play in WPS and overseas. Yeah. Had great careers. Yeah, the Reds, the, all the Reds, Reds out there. I didn't want to bring it up, but uh, sure. Yeah, you guys, nope. you and your Reds. I mean, we all, we all. If you've been on a team with a Red, you know it because they talk about it all the time. Um, what do you think was unique about that environment, or what about your perspective, or how you approached it that helped you? Because you, you right, you have to be in this right um, state of mind too to take that in, right? You, you're in this in between where you're like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I want to keep playing but you really used it as like a jumping off point into going and playing abroad. Yeah. I think that everybody who was there saw it as a step to something bigger and whether that was their final few seasons for college or going pro, um, we just, we had it in our minds that something bigger was to come and everyone put everything into it. Those two summers, um, including the the club and the staff. Mm -hmm. But I think, we had it in our heads that the league was going to come back. There was going to be something for us. And um, we just never gave up hope, really. Yeah. So I think those two years were probably two of the most important years in my career. Right. With, with being on a pro team. It is, because that happens a lot with um, women's soccer, is there's just this this in-between, this unknown. Um, you know, now we have a very uh, a much more stable league. But I think um, the unknown is the financial situations that we all go through. But for you, it was the love of soccer that just kept kept you going. Yeah, and it was very um, convenient that it was in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I was able to live at home and work, coach. So, um, you know, props to the girls that came out of state to play for, for those teams and who continue. Like, there's a lot of girls who will live anywhere and do anything to play mm-hmm. in in between the their college seasons or in between pro seasons. You got to do what you got to do, man. Right. So over the next few years, so you play with the Reds in Connecticut and then you go play in Finland and Brazil and then WPS or yeah, WPS comes and you're with Gold Pride, which is I think actually where we met when you played for Gold Pride. Yes. Where I got to meet the headband herself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Lucky> <laughs> and then, um, so Gold Pride, Boston Breakers, and then you went back to somewhere in there. I don't know exactly where. Maybe it was after you played in Vancouver. I mean, you were all over the place. What are a few um, memories you have from that time in in whatever area? I mean, we could sit here forever and talk about every place mm. and, and memories from each place, but maybe what you learned maybe we'll go with this like even with WPS it was a very mixed league right there was a lot of foreigners in the league of um really quality status but when you went and played abroad too it's a different style of game so maybe what did you learn about the game in different places that you played that kind of sticks out to you uh you know very generally speaking I've learned that you have to be able to adapt wherever you go every coach is different every country is different uh, there's different systems, different players to play with, uh, and expectations. So when I went to Finland the first time, it, it was more of a direct style of play that I wasn't used to. And I just had to learn and figure it out or else I wasn't going to do well or else I wasn't going to play. Same with Brazil and WPS and then the breakers. It, you know, especially with all the foreigners that were in WPS, I'm sure you remember watching mm-hmm. the style of each team was different mm-hmm. based on the the internationals they had. So, you know, we had Formiga and Erica and then Cece was our assistant coach. We had a lot of Brazilian influence and I had just come from Brazil and I thought it was pretty cool and a good fit. Um, but yeah, you just have to, you have to learn that you, the way you play today is not going to be the way you play when you're when you're done with your career or your career is going to be very short Mm -hmm. what do you think the hardest team for you to adapt with was or where the uh, country or style of play I think playing in the U.S. in the early years was harder for me uh, because of the 
the intensity level and the speed of play was so high mm-hmm. and I am I've been used to um kind of finding a different tempo throughout the game and going up and down where is even now the American leagues I think are very fast tempo compared to some of the foreign leagues right yeah um I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It, it definitely brings out some of the most athletic players in the country, but um, it does make it difficult to play in this league year after year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just talking about how um, you're the you're the old maid now on the team, and a, <laughs> a, a physical style of play and a, a more demanding physical game is um, with a high tempo is is hard. It's hard to sustain and like. I am, I give you all the props. I mean, you're still playing and doing such a good job. And I think it's so cool to see that you inflict your style on the style of the American game. That's, I think something that maybe you've learned through that process of going to different teams. How, how do we adapt to what we're good at? Not what the league is good at, but what we can do. And um, I'm sure that's one way, whether you, you realize it or not one way that you're leading that breakers team this year. So thanks Jordy. Yeah. It's cool to see you back, back here in the league. We crossed paths in Boston for a little bit and then, um, more, more recently. So the league then folded, you played with the white caps. I think that's when you played with them. Right. And I Mm, saw you a couple of times in Denver area in the WPSL. Was that WPSL or, um, W W league. W league. Yeah. So then NWSL came about and you played with the Portland Thorns for mm-hmm. that, that first year, correct? Yep. Um, and first year you guys won a championship. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, wh- how, how cool was it to be not only to win a championship, but to play week in and week out in front of such an amazing crowd in Portland? Yeah, that was definitely one of the coolest experiences uh, I've ever had in soccer. Um, we had a great group. Uh, the coaching staff was was good and was able to handle us well, I thought. And, um, you know, we and after the last four years, it, we've all realized how difficult it is to win the league. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very difficult thing to do. And, you know, looking back, I think that it was just – we didn't realize how big of an accomplishment it was. And I think, especially for the Thorns organization, haven't been able to um, do it again. It just shows, especially with the the amount of talent, how difficult it actually is. Was that the maybe the first place that you felt like, uh, I'm like, I'm a professional athlete. Like I walk around and people know sometimes who I am and like, the city there's there's all these there's thousands and thousands of people that come and cheer for us every single week like I feel like they have just such an atmosphere and an energy about the city and the way that they treat soccer there that it really makes you have that feeling that you're a professional athlete and like I don't think we get that a lot as female athletes no it's very special and something that I've never had anywhere else I think that it's difficult with some cities that have, you know, major sports programs. Mm-hmm. You know, just look in Boston. We're just a speck on the on the professional sports scale here. So the location of the Thorns and the fact that um, the city has accepted them mm-hmm. and the Timbers is, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's just it seems like everything came together in the right place at the right time. And, yeah, it's. I mean, I've never felt more, like more of a professional than I was playing for the Thorns. Yeah. Um, that's pretty awesome. And then the second year, uh, you go from the Thorns to, I mean, we got to be teammates again, Tiff. I know. <laughs> Everywhere. Everywhere. And this is kind of um, obviously the reason that we are talking on this podcast is because you have a scar to show for this year and what happened this year. And so I want to talk about uh, your injury that happened in the beginning of 2014 and just kind of dive into that a little bit, a little bit deeper. So I, I mean, I remember the day. Do you, how how vividly do you remember the day that you, you tore your ACL? 
Well, I feel like I'm lucky because I kind of have two days. <laughs> <laughs> lucky. Yeah. Um, so I remember the first time, I'm pretty sure that's when I tore it. Uh, On the turf field? Yeah, the turf field. I was running alongside one of my teammates uh, in practice and kind of stepped funny. My knee gave out and um, it swelled up really fast. I had never felt anything like that before. And I thought something might be wrong, but then I remember that nothing bad happens to me. So I (laughs) quickly shook that off. Um, It really wasn't until after practice when I had the ice on my knee and I got my period that I thought, wow, this could just be another statistic, huh? And then, you know, I went through all the MRIs and didn't really show too, too much. So I went back to practice a couple weeks later and was able to move around and play, but not fully. And I went for a shot. I planted hard on my left leg and I scored beautiful goal you did and um that's when I knew that uh, I had definitely torn something in my knee Mm -hmm. and my season was over before it even started the tone of your voice changes a little bit when you say that like what what were those emotions that hit you in those moments right after that that realization um came about it's it's funny because when literally you think nothing bad happens to you and then something bad happens to you, you think that, you know, you lose your, your charm life kind of. And then you think all all bad things that could happen. Mm. And I think I'll, like a flood of negative thoughts came through my mind. And I didn't, at first I was like, oh, I guess I'm done. And that was my first instinct because I was just devastated. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take long for me to get that thought out of my head. Yeah. Like, you're an idiot. Shut up. I had yeah. a lot of conversations with myself. Yeah. Um, I cried like a baby a lot. And, you know, it was pretty awesome because my mom just wouldn't have it. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you know, she was just like, she took good care of me, but. She really just, when I would cry and and be that way, would just kind of toughen me up. And I think that helped a lot for me to get through. What do you think? Do you remember something specifically she would say to you? No, she would just say, you have to stop thinking that way. You have to stop. You're fine. Like, you're going to be fine. You're going to play. And kind of just put my lunch down and storm out. (laughs) (laughs) Chicken parm. What yeah, of course. Chicken parm. It's so interesting. I really, I like that because I think sometimes there's a balance, right? There has to be a balance of like, gosh, I'm going to freaking cry my face off. And like also at the same time, know when like enough's enough. Like I got to get out of this. Mm-hmm. So it was nice that you had the space to do both of those things and um, a mom who took care of you, but also took care of you in the way of saying like, no more. Yeah. No more woe is me. I needed that. Yeah. Um, do you think that in your, in your soccer career, had you, did you feel like you've ever been challenged? Like you were challenged with this injury? No, not even close. Nothing. I don't think anything I've ever gone through has challenged me like this has, especially because it was such a long process. Um, I think the the process in general, as you know, can be short and sweet for some people. Um, hitting the timelines, hitting the you know your goals, and you know some people are kind of freak athletes almost. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I I think when you compare yourself to those people, it makes it even harder. Mm-hmm. So. I had a long, long recovery. I still deal with it today, of course. Yeah. And the idea that some people come back in six to eight months to me now seems like, you know, superhuman. I know. <laughs> and I it's... and going through that at the time, I it was frustrating to think about the fact that I should have been back and I wasn't. How do you think you got out of that mindset? Because it's so... 
I mean, I remember that happening to me. Like I should be doing this now. I should be doing this. Do you remember how you um, got back to like out of that mindset of like, should this is the timeline. This is what I should be hitting. And, and this is where, and just acceptance of where you are and how your process is unique, uniquely yours. I think that there were little tiny victories that kept me chugging along. Just when I thought I couldn't do something, there would be some kind of breakthrough, even a tiny one that would keep me going to the next and to the next. And so even though I wasn't hitting, you know, exact goals, I was close to something and I kept feeling closer to something else. Um, when you, when you can celebrate the small things and also understand how those small things can lead to something else, like just breaking up some scar tissue or, you know, being able to bend a little further, mm-hmm. it really, I mean, that helped me tremendously to get, to get to the next phases. Just those small little goals, those small little victories. Yeah. You did little, um, you had little cheerleaders in your head giving you a, a cheer after this. Yeah, or a Coke, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> well, you just talked about how you talk to yourself a lot. Through, yeah, Through this exactly. process. So um, what do you think that the hardest part of, can you pinpoint one part that you were like, oh my gosh, that day I was miserable and um, physically I was miserable or like emotionally or mentally it was really challenging for you. There was a day when I was with the Washington spirit and this, this is the year after I was, so I was on the field mm-hmm. and my tendonitis was so bad in my knee, both my knees that I had to go sit down on the bench and I just started crying mm. because at that point you don't know if the pain's ever going to go away. And you know, I can physically move my knee. It's healthy. I can run, but it's painful to do it. Yeah. You, did you develop, do you still deal with tendonitis? Yeah, but I've learned how to manage it and it's not even close to what it used to be. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not, it's not like affecting my everyday life anymore. Yeah. So in that moment, you're physically and mentally just kind of done. Like you're, you're, you're so upset that this pain is still happening when you're healthy. And mm-hmm. um, what do you, what did you do to offset that, that moment and um, get yourself back on track? Well, I have a, a, a thing that I do in my life okay. and it's not just, it wasn't just for my knee. This is something that I do when I get in a rut ever because everybody does. Mm-hmm. It's come, it's called reset. And I write it down on a piece of paper, paper reset and I go through all the things that I've been doing and I either adjust them, change them, revamp them, whatever it is. I get people who are in my life to help me. In this case, coaches, trainers, physios. And I come up with a plan that's different than the one I'm on. Mm. In this case, I could not keep training and trying to play through. I needed to do something different. And, um, I think that's something that is difficult to be aware of because sometimes in life you really have to just, you know, push through Mm -hmm. and just tough it out. But sometimes I don't believe that that's necessarily true. I think you need to change your path a little and, and change what you're doing. And once I'm able to, to change it, then I, uh, and in this case, especially I was able to start making a lot of progress um, started doing some strengthening, getting more physical therapy, not training every day and as much, working on my um, gait and my stride, and just going back to the basics before mm-hmm. I'm trying to play soccer again. And I, I know that this is something that we talk, we've talked about as friends as you've gone through this injury, but I think it's so important, those things that you were just saying about um, – kind of analyzing how you train and when you are back fully healthy, like you might have to still train a little differently for a while or forever, or, you know, that doesn't make you any less of an athlete. It actually makes you more of an athlete because I think being athletic, you, 
are trying to maximize your human ability, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that like essentially what athletics is? Like I'm, I'm good at this or I'm working hard at this so I can maximize how good I am. And you adjusted a few things in your training that really are still something that you you credit to the the length of your career now and how you can still perform at a high level. Yeah, I think the most important thing is I have to listen to my body. And even if it says on my schedule, you know, run fitness today, if my knee is not feeling it, I can't just, you know, go back to when I was 18 and run through it because the next day I might not be able to walk. Mm-hmm. And I can't have that. And, you know, as you're, as you're saying, is like as an athlete, you have to be optimal. Mm-hmm. And what days do you need to be optimal? You know, game day. Right. So whatever can get me to be able to train consistently enough that allows me to be the best on the day of the week that I need to be best on, you know, that's the goal. The yeah. goal is not to run myself into the ground. My goal is not to be a triathlete. My goal will never to be a triathlete. <laughs> <laughs> Your goal but, is to stand in front of the goal and score uh, goals. Yeah, my goal is to eliminate the offside rule. <laughs> oh my god! Um, and you know, just do what I can at the highest level that I can for as long as I can. That is my goal, and I'll do anything, anything you know, including non-impact conditionings I went to a swimming workout today when I was the youngest person by 40 years mm-hmm. and you know strengthening and you know being smart when I play and when I train it's just and having people in my corner that understand that that's something I have in Boston right now that is um, tremendous and not it's something that I haven't always had believe mm-hmm. it or not so um, I feel like I'm in a good place to understand myself and people around me that understand. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about that because you just said something about you going to this swimming class of um, all these, it sounds like <laughs> some pretty awesome old people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think the ACL injury in general, maybe just all injuries are really humbling as a human because especially athletes, we think, like you kind of said, we think we're a little bit invincible sometimes. And it brings you down to this, this humble beginning, like you have to learn how to walk again, like walk Mm -hmm. when you learned how to walk when you were one year old, like that humility in the process, I think teaches you so much. And now um, it, it carries on throughout different aspects of your life. So now you're humbling yourself saying, I'm an athlete, I'm going to this water aerobics class with these <laughs> um, older people. Uh, do you do you think about that? Do you find yourself in the like today? Did you find yourself in the water thinking like how grateful you are for your body and your age and all the things you still can do? Yeah, I mean, I was in the water with Carol and Tom, and both had knee replacements. And it's, you know, it was interesting because we all had something in common. We all have had, you know, these knee surgeries and have, like you said, had had to learn how to walk again, <clears throat> start from the beginning. Did they give you so, any, advi- any advice? No, I th- honestly, you know, and I, they, they're pretty fresh on their injuries. Oh. So they were, they were going through their, you know, I know what they were thinking. Yeah. They were thinking about every step, every little pinch or sharp pain. <coughs> Sorry. And even though I'm not where they are, I've been there and I know what that's like. And I can't imagine what a full knee replacement will feel like, but I'm sure I'll find out one day. <laughs> I know. Thanks, Just, Turf. Yeah. <laughs> shout out, Turf. Shout out, Turf. <laughs> Um, shout out doctors, you better, you better get that figured out. So by the time we have to do that, it's, it's a lot less invasive. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, that's really cool. I just, I don't know that little moments like that. I, I just think you can learn so much from just the way older people approach life and, mm-hmm. um, just how 
they were probably so relieved and happy to be in the water even and like release the weight from their body and just like be able to walk and with maybe a little bit without pain. And I think Mm -hmm. there's just so much humility and like, uh, acceptance of, you know, what we, the cards we're given and, um, how do we use that to still get everything that we can out of this body? Like we're still very fortunate in our age and the things that we can do. So I don't know. That was just an interesting, I wanted to know what uh, Carol and Tom said. I forgot their names already. (laughs) (laughs) But also just uh, going through this whole thing, it makes you really take notice to people in wheelchairs and, and on crutches and, you know, that are even, I notice people's gait all the time. They're struggling Mm. to walk. And I, and you know, sometimes if somebody's walking slow down the street, it's literally because they can't walk any faster. It's Mm -hmm. not because they're trying to piss you off. (laughs) You know, there's so many people who have, um, walk issues walking because of, of any kind of knee pain. And yeah, you know, you don't know what people have been through. Yeah. Uh, but during your recovery process, I know you probably read a lot of books. Um, do you have a book or a quote that you use to help you get through that you maybe went, went to throughout the process or something that helped your, your mind just get in the right spot? Um, the book Relentless by Tim Grover actually helped me a lot. Um, it, was, it was another case of um, he wasn't sugarcoating anything. He's, he seems like a very tough guy. He was actually Michael Jordan's trainer. Mm-hmm. And I think there was something in the book that talked about coming back from an injury. And if you were able to jump off of, you know, this super high mat and land, you know, it's more about facing your fears than, mm-hmm. um, you know, dealing with the pain. And I think that that really helped me to just push through some things that were scary because, um, a lot of it was kind of built up in my own head because you always think it could happen again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you can get through that barrier, then you realize that you're much stronger than you think. Do you remember when you got through that barrier, when you kind of um, squashed your fears? Um, it took a long time, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. It took a long time. And there were times when it was it was little bits of, you know, a little jump here, a single leg hop here. But, you know, I think it took about probably a year and six months mm-hmm. to get to really get through the fears and to think that I could, you know, play soccer at, at where I was before. Mm-hmm. Did you use any other um, mental training techniques, visualization, affirmations, anything that um, you remember helping you? I wrote every single thought I had during the whole process. I have the whole process written down. So that helped me because I was a writer before Mm -hmm. I wrote about everything and, um, I was able to write in my journal blog about it. And I also found that through blogging, I was helping other people. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of messages uh, from people who said that I kind of phrased things that they were trying to say that they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like actually helping me get through the process that I was helping other people, as I'm sure you're very aware of. And, um, you know, the the journaling, though, and to see where you were and where you've come and to kind of like just think your way through things and having those aha moments mm-hmm. is you know, I mean, I recommend that to every every person that's going through this. Yeah, I love that you're a writer and and you understand the power of journaling. Like journaling is, yes, it is writing, but at the same time, it's kind of just like word vomit onto paper. Like anything I'm thinking, I want to make sure I get it out because I think there's so much healing in writing and journaling and just um, letting those fears, emotions, um frustrations out onto paper yeah I think a lot of people don't journal because they think it has to be poetic or 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Journalist. That's a pelican. Um, but it doesn't have to be pretty. It yeah. just has to be and that's an important thing. It's not someone else's thoughts, it's your thoughts. And it doesn't have to be perfect ever. It's, it, you know, no one read it. And as long as you get your truth out and, and it's real, that's all that matters. Do you think that your background in writing and do you think that journaling is one of the things that really helped you in the end kind of get through this whole process and understand what the whole process brought to your life in general, not just your life as an athlete? Yeah, and I think I'm not through it mm-hmm. completely. I don't know if you ever get through it all. Yeah. But I'm, it still helps me because when I have a little ache and pain, I write it down and I write, I write down how I got rid of it, if I got rid of it or if something else got rid of it or maybe I needed a day off because sometimes you need a reminder that you need a day off mm-hmm. and that'll help. And then I can go back and read that when I have those same pains. And it's literally just a, a self-help guide to yourself <laughs> because <laughs> Every book you read is somebody else's self-help book, but your journal is your own self-help book. And um, you don't always have the answers, but sometimes the answers just present themselves mm-hmm. as you live your life. So I, ha- I feel like I have all my answers sometimes Yeah. in my book. Not all of them. Obviously, I have not faced everything that I've already faced. So that's the only one I can learn, though. Yeah. Do you have, um, if you could say one takeaway from the process of your ACL recovery, what do you think it would be? Um, I think that you have to seek out the best when it comes to physical therapy and doctors and athletic trainers and even coaches to help you get back on the field. You have to find the best and not accept whatever anyone is telling you to do because I truly think that the people you're working with makes such a difference um, mentally, physically, on your recovery. I don't know that people even realize that they're not getting good physical therapy a lot of times and they just go with it because they're supposed to. That's mm-hmm. what they're told to do. And I truly believe that you should not do what always do what you're told to do, but you have to do what feels right and just seek out as much information as possible. Mm-hmm. Now going back, do you feel like there's some um, characteristics or values that were instilled in you in this process? I was a patient person before but I feel like now I am super patient mm-hmm. that I can sit in traffic for days if I had to because this process you you have to be patient and you have to it takes time there's no way you can come back faster than the you know a lot of time that it takes things to heal you can't speed that and once you're not in control of something, you have to learn how to be patient. Yeah. And that's saying a lot for a girl from Connecticut. And, um, <laughs> I mean, you know traffic from where yeah. you're from. <laughs> um, okay, so if you had a sentence or a word that, t- that summed up yourself before or your mindset before your ACL injury, what would it be? Before, I would say um, smooth. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what would your word be now or your mindset now? Um, the, the rockier, the better. The rockier, the better. So you've found that through the struggles and a little bit of, uh, you know, going through those moments of, oh, crap, that that has made your life better? Yeah, and I think that it's just because, I, you know, I, I take risks. I have to take risks. And, you know, playing for the spirit, coming back to the U.S. to play was a risk. Mm-hmm. And I probably wouldn't have 
gotten hurt playing safe in Europe. I mean, maybe, but, you know, I really pushed limits that offseason to be as fit as possible. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of the fittest times of my life. But I was taking a risk doing that. And I don't regret doing that necessarily. But at the same time, you have, I have to learn from it. You, and I'm not going to stop taking risks because of it. I love that. That's where life is lived, right? You got to take risks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 hard that way, but it's so much better that way too. Exactly. Um, do you so a part a part of your routine right now? So you, now you're with Boston Breakers. You guys are amping up for the start of the, the 2017 NWSL season. Do you have go-to exercises that you still do on a daily or weekly basis that keep you um, mentally and physically in the right frame of mind? Yeah, I have become an old, old lady with a lot of routines. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I have to foam roll and um, every part. I have to, the couch stretch, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, just kneeling with your leg up. I have to do band work, all kinds of walks and um, clams and Oh, can I just tell you that Allie Krieger told me that she did those too, but she called them crabs. Crabs. <laughs> I was like, you mean oh, clamshells? No. That's that Penn State education for you. <laughs> oh, man. She's too much. That's great. <laughs> I know. I was like, Allie, I just got to stop and laugh for a second because they're definitely not called crabs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. That's a good um, laugh. Yeah, and then um, I just need a, a little bit of a longer warm-up and start slow and ease into it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I really need to do those things every day before yeah. I step on the field. Yeah. Uh, and so now I think, how do I want to go next? There's a couple more questions that I have. Um one, I want to talk about what you're doing now, kind of outside, I mean, related to soccer, but kind of outside. I want you to explain a little bit more about your brand, and I want you to say the name of it because I'm going to butcher it because I can't <laughs> say it. It's Swedish, correct, the, the word? Yeah. Okay, so the talk word. about that and how you guys kind of thought of this idea. Um, it's called Duke Dig Brand, um, like Duke, the college, Tig. Tig, uh, and... Uh, we decided that there was not a soccer planner notebook out there that was cool enough for us. And we wanted one. Uh-huh. We were looking for something that kind of looked like a moleskin that I could, you know, that we could use as a soccer notebook. Because right now all, all I was using really was either line pages or blank pages. So we came up with the idea to have a calendar and field pages with some blank pages with a hardcover, black hardcover, and a little pocket in the back. And the Duke Tig brand trainer was born. Are you currently using your Duke Tig brand trainer? And what are you writing in it, Tiff Weimer? Yes, I... I use it. I actually have my prehab routine written down, and I write down. I'm pretty good about writing almost every single day. Um, out of ten, how my knee feels, what I did that day, um, and obviously I write down soccer tactics and uh, games I watch on TV, the way we're supposed to play, and stuff like that. But I really like having my prehab and my post training routines written down to see you know what what helps me each day and in this way it's not as specific in journal it's more of a list yeah and easier to just go back and see what I was doing that's cool I love how you guys kind of saw a need and met it and it's something that I have seen a lot of uh for like fellow soccer players using and coaches and um, you guys getting a good response so far? Yeah, people really like them. I feel like people have maybe been looking for these as much as we have. So uh, it's been exciting to see the response and um, 
that people are enjoying them and using them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just glad I can help contribute to the soccer world. It's a world that I want to help improve. And I think it can always be more organized and um, plan better because as players, as you know, it's very obvious when a coach is not prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Perfect. Okay, before I ask the final two questions, I want to do a little rapid fire. Oh, jeez. Pew, 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 pew. That's my rapid fire noise sound effect. <laughs> I just actually did it myself. I didn't add it in. I know it sounded really good. Um, okay, are you ready? Yes. Okay, what's your favorite food? Um, pasta. Well, who's your favorite athlete? Me. I only laugh because this next question, I was going to say Messi or Ronaldo or Tiffany Weimer. <laughs> Me. <laughs> um, what's your favorite color? Black. Your favorite book? Um, the Power of Habit or Letters to a Young Poet. Ooh. Uh, do you have tattoos? Yes, I have two. One is of the number eight and one is a Danish saying that means forever. What's your favorite one? My eight. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite song right now? Um, November Rain by Guns N' Roses. Always. <laughs> right now. Right now. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, um, she's got the look. Something like that. Um, who's your favorite comeback athlete? Um, wow, I don't have one. I thought you were going to say you. Um, early riser or night owl? Early riser. Last song you sang in your car? Um, Paula Abdul, straight up. Stinking jam. Uh, favorite <laughs> emoji? Um, the cool sunglasses. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you, have you seen the one with the guy with the glasses in the buck teeth? Yes. I love him. One. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> um, who did you last dream of? Myself. Oh, wow. Cool. Cool dream. Um, if you had a superpower, what would you choose? Um, to change people's minds. Mm. Who's your favorite teammate ever? Oh, my gosh. Well, besides Jordan Angeli, my favorite teammate ever. <laughs> I love how people say that because it's not when I'm, I'm not prying for that. I yes, like really, you are. I really want to know who people love playing with. I think it's so, such an interesting question. Um, I really enjoyed playing with Carrie Dew. Mm. And Tori Huster. Oh, yeah, Tori. And I really enjoyed, obviously, being with Carmelina Muscata. Oh, obviously. It's the hair. I mean, her hair is everywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's your biggest pet peeve? Um, when, people, when I can't sleep because it's too loud. Oh. Uh, what do you like to do for a workout that's not your sport? So an alternative workout. Um, ping pong. Oh, cool. Nice one. Um, last one. If you left for a vacation today, where would you choose to go? Stockholm. Mm. That's interesting. That's yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's two kinds of vacations, like ones that you enjoy and ones that you do nothing, you know. So that would be what an enjoyable one. Enjoy, and then like some beach. I like I maybe Key West or something. Okay, you know? cool. Yeah, I've never been there. You went there last year. Two years yeah, ago? It, was, it was awesome. Just like so relaxing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we're talking Tiff. Like we're imagining we're down the line here, a few years. Like you're at least yeah. in your forties, oh, at geez. least. Um, okay. And I want to know what you want people to remember you by. Like what you want your legacy to be in the sport. In this sport, I just, I, I just love the game mm-hmm. so much. I literally would do anything for it. I love playing. Uh, it's never been about the money or, you know, being famous or anything. The game is the same for me, whether I'm playing 3v3 with my siblings or, you know, in front of 18,000 people up at Providence Park. It's always the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just don't want people to uh, to lose that if they have it. Mm-hmm. To you know, I think that the most important thing is that you play and do something because you love it and for any other reason. And I just have never lost that love for the game. Yeah, I love that, and it's true. People like 
she is just as excited to meg me six times in a training as she is to (laughs) score a goal (laughs) true i think i hold the world record on for boston breakers and how many times tiff weimer wet meg me in one training (laughs) (laughs) but you know what to boost other people's confidence that's what i'm here for and you didn't punch me in the face no that's crazy i know I try not to be too violent, but um, before I ask the last question, I just want to say thank you, Tiffany, for um, I, a moment that I will never forget. Uh, when I came back from my third ACL, um, you were injured, and I was playing my first game back, and I got my name called, and I ran up there, and you came up to me before I went in, and you hugged me, and you said, have fun. And I will never forget that moment. And or and you told me you were proud of me. And um, I just want to thank you for that. Like, thanks for being such a good friend and um, for that moment of, you know, that I'll, that I'll never forget. So appreciate and, it, pal. Yeah, uh, but it's crazy because I don't know that I would have done. I mean, I knew I was proud of you and I knew I was excited for you, but being in that situation you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I was there I was hurt and I was about to go through what you had already been through Mm -hmm. in that moment I was like I can't even imagine how she did all this and then you know like that I mean going through it makes me appreciate how much you've gone through and how how freaking tough as nails you are because no one is tougher than you Jordan (laughs) Oh, well, thanks. No. <laughs> Wait, am I getting paid for this? Yeah, your check okay. is in the mail. I already sent it. You are it. the toughest. <laughs> I already sent your check, so you're not getting any more money. Stop with the compliments. Um, <laughs> but no, truly, thank you. And I think it, it is true, and one of the big reasons why I started uh, the ACL Club was that I do think that there is such power in sharing your strength with one another, like you had mentioned, and you know, writing blog posts and not only feeling stronger about what you were writing and um, a little bit of therapy in that and realizing your own strength, but in helping other people find their own strength. And um, in that moment, you were a member of the ACL club and you came up to me and gave me more strength. So I thought that was really um, powerful and cool connection to kind of the things that you felt in the process too. So um, last question. So podcast is called Show Your Scars. And I want to know what your scars means to you. Uh, it truly this whole thing, my scar, whose name is Scarlet, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's just really showed me more than I ever could have imagined that I can get through anything, hmm. and um, we're all gonna have setbacks in life, no matter what. And you know. This is just one small thing and people deal with way worse things, you know, and I probably was really dramatic about mine compared to what other people go through. So I think it, looking back and putting it in perspective, I know I was not able to do the one thing I love, but, you know, some people are not even able to live their everyday life. And so the scar is just a reminder that people are going through way worse shit than I will ever go through and to really respect other people's you know life and journey and Mm -hmm. even if I don't know them I don't know what they're going through yeah cool I love that I love that Tiff you're bringing it to a whole different whole different level (laughs) whole different level you did not give me the opportunity to say thank you for having me oh you're welcome no but can we go back can we do that yeah um, just can you just say like it's been a pleasure to have you, and I'll just then pause and let me say thank you so much for. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to tell me how to edit it too? Yeah. <laughs> um, Tiff, as always, I love talking to you, and it's been so nice to have you on the podcast. Jordan, thank you so much for having me. I'm actually honored to be a part of the ACL club and I'm very, very um, excited for all the great things that you're going to do with this and for all the people that you're going to help because you helped me get through this and I know that people need you. Well, thanks. Thanks, Tiff. Look at you.
Well, you didn't give me a chance to see that. I know. That was nice. That was nice. Did you have that written out? No. Wow. Just off the cusp. Yeah. I mean, that's me. Tiff Weimer, I crack up every time I talk to her. She just is a funny person and doing great things on the field, off the field. She's coached a long time in her hometown of Connecticut, inspiring so many young kids to continue to fight for their dream and build that love that she has with the game of soccer. So I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. And one of the cool things that Tiff and I want to do is if you follow us both on Twitter, there is a contest. Both Duke Tig brand and ACL Club have tweeted a contest that you can enter to win a free Duke Tig brand journal and notebook from Tiffany and her company there. So check that uh, link out. Follow us both on Twitter to get yourself entered into the contest. And I'm really excited for one of you to get one of these in your hands and use it and hopefully write a little bit about what you're doing whether it be in your training on the field or your recovery back to whatever sport you want to do so join that contest I think it'll be cool we want to give you guys something and Tiff and Duke Tick Brand have been nice enough to have a little giveaway thank you guys all for listening I hope you enjoyed this episode go out there just smile big, enjoy the spring, enjoy the process of becoming your greatest, fullest, healthiest self again. And we believe in you here at Show Your Scars. So pass that strength on to somebody else.